0: Welcome to the Zion Church Podcast. We are a church that is passionate about bringing heaven to earth by following Jesus, who demonstrated perfect Christianity. Temple with God, and they became, because of their position that God had given them, they became priests and priestesses over creation. That was their mandate. So Moses institutes this law, the Sabbath, and you know, it became very difficult for them to keep the Sabbath. In fact, they, they I don't know how many laws they made just to keep the Sabbath, but it was well over 100, and it became very tedious. <laughs> You know, like what could we do on the Sabbath? Are we allowed to step this way? Are we allowed to step that way? You know, I think they had to, they ended up making precincts so you could travel a certain distance, but you couldn't go too far. You know, it just became so confusing. And so we have then, and I'm going to skip right ahead You know, God was with them. Who knows about the Ark of the Covenant? God in a little box. God travelled with them in a golden box. (laughs) It's crazy to me that the God of the universe is in a little box. (laughs) And they didn't have a temple. They had this kind of tent temple that moved around with them. And then David had a vision of a temple, and Solomon, his son, built the temple. What would the temple look like? The temple looked like a lot like the garden. Inside, there was a lot of ornaments, I don't know, pictures and everything about which reminded them of the garden, the mandate of the garden. And what it was is that only the priests could go into the holies of holies, only the priests could really touch and experience and they had to, it was so regimented and um, I wouldn't say ridiculous because that's really disrespectful, but it would have been very, very difficult and it made God very distant to most people. But God's wanting to live with his people. And so what we see is this Um, the Jewish people trying so hard to be holy and do holy and live holy and it just became exhausting. But they were always trying. But they became, what happened was it became so (laughs) unrelationship-ish. It's not even a word. (laughs) But it became full of rules and processes, regimented, And it kind of lost, they lost the purpose. And so by the time, I don't know what year it was, I don't even know, I didn't write it down. But the heartbreaking story of this beautiful temple is that it was ransacked by the Babylonians. I think it was King Nebuchadnezzar, I think, ransacked it. And it was destroyed. So here we go in Jesus's days, when Jesus is born, we have the Jew, Jewish people, God's people, with no temple. Well, they do, but I'll get to that. But they've gone through their sacred holy of holies, you know, what King Solomon built with all his wealth and all his wisdom. With God's instructions, it had been taken from them. And then we have the Ark of the Covenant now gone. And essentially it's like, has God left us? Is everyone alive? (laughs) And then another temple gets built. Who knows who built that temple? King Herod, or Herod the Great, a very evil king. It was the same king that killed all the kids. You know, when Jesus was born and they had to flee to Egypt because some crazy king was going around killing kids, the firstborns, that was King Herod, the same king that was rebuilding the Jewish temple. The Jewish temple meant to be for the Messiah, God. And he's hears about through the wise man that there might be a king, and he's on the other hand killing the Messiah, trying to kill him. Hey, but good thing God talks to people. And he told Mary and Joseph to leave the city. Thank you, Lord. So we come at a time when Jesus was born where all this is going on. And the Roman Empire had taken over. The Jewish people had almost become tired. They'd lost their space. They actually had lost the Ark of the Covenant. The new uh, temple was built, but there's no Ark in there. They were still doing all the same processes and everything, but they'd become tired and kind of losing sight of the awaited Messiah. You know, a lot of them had been expelled from you know when King um, Nebuchadnezzar when the um, the temple was ransacked, the a lot of the Jews were kicked out of Jerusalem. It was a heartbreaking time. This is God's people, and yet Jesus comes in this crazy time, and Jesus. You know, we know this story. It's not Christmas. I'm not going to tell the story (laughs) of Christmas. But he comes so humbly and beautifully. He comes unexpectedly. And he grows up under the radar. But he grows up building his character. He was perfect the whole way through. I was actually saying, saying to Josh in the car, I've had this thought the other day. The only thing that we need to do that Jesus didn't model is repent. It's the only thing that we need to do that Jesus didn't model. Jesus never had to repent. Even when growing up as a child, all the way through, he never did anything wrong. So he didn't need to repent. It's pretty amazing. So Jesus comes. All right, here we go. So Jesus gets baptised by John. We're back here now. We've gone right from the start of time to here. We've got to remember this is real life history. This isn't made up fairy, fairy tales. This is a real history. Okay, so Jesus is baptised by John. He goes into the desert, is tempted by the devil and tested. He comes out still not needing to repent. <laughs> And then he comes in Luke. Here we go, Luke 4, verse 14 to 20. Jesus is coming back after being in the wilderness. So verse 14, chapter 4, Luke. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he was healing people. He was teaching and everyone was thinking, wow, you're pretty amazing. Yeah. And then he goes to his hometown. So next verse, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, on the rest day, and stood up to read. And when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Ready? This is the biggest mic drop that Jesus did, I reckon. Verse 18. Now, ready? This is with his hometown folk that know him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Woo! Okay, and then this is what he does. I can do this really loud with this book, actually. And then he closed the book. It was probably made of something different back then, though. And he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to him, this is the mic drop moment. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he's basically saying, I'm the person that this scripture is written about. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious word which proceeded out of his mouth. And then they said, is this not Joseph's son? Like, isn't he just some regular Joe? Okay. So right then in his hometown, here is the Messiah, the creator of the universe that came from all the glory and wonder and splendour who was there from the beginning, who saw it all, the Big Bang. The only, you know, real thing about the, the Big Bang theory is the fact that let there be light would have been a Big Bang. That's my personal opinion. And then he was there all the way through, all the history. And there he is standing in front of his home crowd saying, here I am, I'm here. And they're like, who are you? Didn't we see you on the street as a kid playing? They didn't recognise him. But you know who they, rec- they would have recognised him as a perfect child. And he they would have heard all the things that he had done before they came to the city, and yet they didn't recognise him. It's a great tragedy. There's a beautiful song. Did you find that song in the Yama Ensemble? Who's heard of the Yama, Yama Ensemble? It's a beautiful band. Um, it's a Jewish, Jewish band folk music that sing in... Hebrew, and it's beautiful. There's a song that they sing, it's from a psalm, and it it talks about how they're waiting for the coming of the Messiah, and they're still singing it to this day. It's tragic. So Jesus goes on. Jesus interacts with his people, people that he created, the people that have lost their first love, but are trying really hard to fulfil all these laws. They're trying really, really hard, but they kind of got a little bit lost along the way. And so Jesus, you know, he comes under a lot of pressure. It's like, who is this guy? Who is this guy that is doing all these things and gaining all this attention. And he, I'm kind of really confused by this scripture because it's like Jesus is talking to people and then he starts praying and then he starts talking to people again. But it reminds me, I'll I'll share what the scripture is in a second, but it reminds me of the dialogue that Jesus would have had to do because it's like he's talking and they're not understanding. So he's talking back to the Lord and then he talks again. But it's in, Matthew, and it's what I read out at the start. And this is the whole thing about Jesus wanting to restore people back to rest, to the Sabbath. Because He can see them all trying so hard and striving and working so hard to get into rest. You know, the, the Jewish people... And some friends of mine that are, are Jews, they try, you know, what they do is they work all week to do and finish everything that they do, like God, you know, the, the, all the things that they did in the six, to the sixth day and then they clock off, you know, like they actually clock off and it's amazing because this is what Moses asked them to do. And on the seventh day, they rest. But in, in doing that, the whole six days can be quite exhausting. So the people are trying really hard to honour God. And yet Jesus comes as the perfect rest. He's actually the perfect restorer. And if they capture it, they will be an eternal Sabbath. Shabbat, they will be in Nuak dwelling with God. So he says to them, and he's talking to God, this is when he's like talking and then he talks to God. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Why would he do that? It's almost like the Pharisees and everyone that was meant to be in charge of stewarding this temple, God's presence, just they they didn't understand, they didn't get it. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me. By my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. That's confusing, isn't it? My version can be confusing. It's basically saying that Jesus saying that I know the Father, and you guys have lost sight of the Father. You don't know him, you don't hear his character like I do. So listen to me because I know his character and I want to share him with you. That's basically what he's saying. And then he goes on to say, come to me. And he's talking to the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. He's saying, I'm giving you rest. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because he knows they're exhausted. This is hard trying to get ready for the Sabbath, trying to keep the Sabbath, trying to do all these things to be holy. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's my instruction. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he goes on and heals people, creates a big stir. People say he's a rebel. Actually, people say that he didn't obey the Sabbath. Have you heard that? because He did a lot of things on the Sabbath when He was meant to be resting. But Jesus is saying, hey guys, I am the Sabbath. If you capture it, I am the Sabbath. Come with me, come to me and I will give you rest. He wasn't trying to be a rebel. He was saying, I'm presenting it in the way that it was meant to be from the beginning. Yeah. And so here we come to Palm Sunday. Woo! Jesus is in, coming to Jerusalem. All right. I know I'm reading a lot of Scripture, but Scripture's good. So we're in Matthew. We're jumping right ahead. We're in 11 before. We're jumping right ahead to 21. All right. So this is a big chunker of Scripture. It's called the Triumphal en- Entry. Hopefully I haven't copied the King James Version. <laughs> now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to a bethpage I don't even know how to spell it, or pronounce that, bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loosen them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey, which is basically the lowest of low, fall, fall, fall of a donkey. So very humbly, he's coming on the lowest of low, very humble, just like he came into the world. Yeah. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and sent him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, cutting down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before... And those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So they were were excited. The people were excited. I don't know if all the people were excited, but there was a big multitude that were really excited about him coming. You know, palm leaves, the clothes on the ground. I mean, they didn't have washing machines. On the ground being trampled on by a donkey, that's a sacrifice. Cutting down palm trees. Palms are very common back then, but it would have been beautiful. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So they recognised him, even though he was from Nazareth. And that was celebrating him. It was all so exciting. But he knew, For he knew, he knew that all of these crowd would portray him. He knew. And yet he came anyway. Isn't that beautiful? The greatest love story of all. And then this is interesting. And this is the key to life, <gasps> what he does next. I'm still on the same chapter, but what he does next is the key for us living an abundant life of rest, Shabbat, Nuach with the Lord. And then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And then he said to them, It is written, My house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. That's a bit unexpected. They thought that he was coming into the temple to fulfill and like sit on a, I don't know. A, a really high seat. What's it called? A throne, you know? And overcome the Romans who had taken over the city. But instead, he comes into the temple and starts getting angry, which I don't know. When I first watched a Jesus movie and I saw Jesus doing that, I was like, Jesus doesn't do that, he doesn't get angry. There's something really profound about that though and its I believe it's the key to a victorious life in the Lord is that the first thing Jesus does when He comes into His temple, because it's His temple, what does He do? He cleans it up. And this is the key for us, living an abundant life of rest with the Lord. And this is why, you know, the Solomon's Temple or the Garden of Eden, it was beautiful and perfect and holy. It was a holy space. And so we look at Solomon's Temple that God designed and it was like the priests in the holiest of holies could, it had to keep it a perfect space and God dwelt there. Wherever God dwells, becomes holy. And so we see Jesus coming into that temple. Jesus dwells there in that temple in that moment. And He is actually demonstrating to us what we need to do. Because it goes on to say later on, is that we become temples of God. Then the blind came and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying out in the temples and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? I'll read it again. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests, scribes, saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and they questioned him. So instead of recognizing, oh my goodness, we've never had anyone come like this before. Surely he might be God. <laughs> they got defensive. Why? Because they had lost their relationship with the Lord. The what God created them to be in the garden of walking and talking with God, knowing God's heart. They had lost that through the time. And it was never God's intention, never God's choice. But the beautiful thing of God's master plan is that He gave us free will. And I always wondered why He didn't just fix it. But He couldn't really have children that love Him if He forced them to love Him. So that's why it's the greatest love story is because it's our free choice, our free will to love a God that is so lovely, that chooses to be good instead of choosing to be harsh and evil. He could be anything and He chooses to be good. All right. So how is this all related to us? Because that's what it's all about, hey? what is it? How does all of this apply to us? Is that God, Jesus... Because Jesus came as a man, fully God but fully man, yeah? It's very confusing. But He came and He demonstrated a life that we could live. And what He did, He, he sacrificed Himself. He came to Palm Sunday knowing farewell to all of these people that were celebrating Him And crying out, heal me, heal me. And he healed. He knew that they would betray him. But he knew that it was worth it. And so Jesus dies. Thankfully, he rises again. He defeats death. He kicks the devil in the head, I like to think. And he restores us back to our original value in the garden. You know, where we can walk and talk with him. We can learn about him. And so in Ephesians, if anyone's taking notes, I'm trying to give you time to take notes. But in Ephesians, Paul talks about this amazing inheritance that we have. Ooh, it's kind of raining. (laughs) So Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Oh my gosh, look at the time. Sorry. I'll try and be quick. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So we now have been given, Jesus died and He said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. Because if I go, I can send the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Holy Spirit now. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have become a living temple of God. Isn't that amazing? Because of what Jesus did and Him defeating death, He has sent down what He had. Remember Jesus, when He was baptised, the Holy Spirit came into Him. So now He has given us what He had. And so like Jesus walked and talked in perfect rest and unity with God, the Lord of the Sabbath went about walking, talking, doing the will of the Father. Just like that, we can ourselves do what He did. Isn't it amazing? So we are His temple. We are His holy place. And together we make up the living temple of God. That's why being together is so important. But of course, Christ is our chief cornerstone. Yeah? It's a great plan. So I would invite you (laughs) to really recognise what Jesus did. Because sometimes we forget, you know, we lose sight a little bit of the power and authority that we have. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the responsibility like Jesus did with the temple in Jerusalem. So our temple has become like that, where we need to sometimes overturn the tables, get rid of stuff that just doesn't belong. You know, it might be a thought, it might be something that we do, it might be anything that you know. God, because you have the Holy Spirit and He's a great teacher. So he, you know what needs to be overturned. But what, that's so important because it's actually like a respect and a reverence to God. That this is a holy place. I'm holy. God, Jesus, you have made me holy. And so I want to keep my temple holy because it's good, good for the Holy Spirit to live in a, a good space, hey? <laughs> So we want to honour Him. So Jesus is inviting us back to that Shabbat, the Nuach is that we can go about our day. Sure, there's a time that just like Jesus, God created the earth and He clocked off on the sixth day, you know, the Shabbat's word, where we can sometimes clock off and really spend intimate time with Him. Yeah, they're good times. But then there's also a new which is a dwelling. And we can't forget that we have God dwelling within us at all times. You know, this is a, we can live in a Sabbath state forever. Yes. Isn't that amazing that we don't have to be like, you know, the the Israelites where they had a tent in the, the little box with God and, and we have to like, only certain people could be there and we had to try really hard to try and work out different rules to not work on the one day that we had to rest and, oh, it's so confusing. <laughs> we can live in an eternal state of rest. Because you know, if you have the Lord, you, your spirit never dies. Well, you, actually your spirit, no one's spirit ever dies. Just depends on where you go and who you're with. But our body does. But if we treat our bodies like a temple, holy, Perfect. It actually says in one Thessalonians five, to present our bodies as spirit, soul, and bodies, holy and blameless, till the coming of the Lord. It's an amazing mandate, and it's no pressure. This is a thing. It's not like oh, we have to do all this stuff. We can rest. Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden. Learn from me." I've read that scripture out. Twice now, so I'm not going to do a whole one three times. But it's a very important scripture. So have you learned something today? Hopefully I've excited you a little bit about the history of who we are. Because this is our story. It's His story. It's our story. That we have become once again, like Adam and Eve in the garden, we have this mandate to tend and keep the space that God's given us Holy, pure, blameless. And then he asks us to be fruitful and multiply. Make more temples. <laughs> so, <good. laughs> so we are all gardeners, yeah? yeah? Actually, Joe had a picture of me as a gardener. Where's Joe? Yeah. Actually, everything you prayed over me at the start, it was very accurate. Well done. Hearing from the Lord. You must have the Holy Spirit. <gasps> so remember, these are your three takeaways. Ready? We have been given a great inheritance. The dark sa- la- la- la. The Sabbath days are every day, and we are temples to be kept holy. But what we need to do is come to who? Jesus. You want to all stand? Gonna wake you up. It's quarter past five, and it's time to go get dinner. We're gonna go down tonight and eat together. All are welcome. It's good to gather, have some fun together. And also on Friday night, the um, Good Friday, we're gonna do baptisms. We're gonna also—I don't know how we're gonna do this, but I'm determined. Good Friday, we're gonna play a Jesus movie and pray. So that's going to be exciting. Is everyone alive? Wake up. All right. Can we have some music, Caleb, or something? Maybe just play it. So who loves the Lord? Who's excited about what He has for you individually? Yeah. Who knows now that they're temples of the Holy Spirit? You might have already known, but you've got a bigger revelation about it. So as you go this week, don't be like me and forgot and got discouraged through the week. But be like Jesus, come to Him. If you're weary, come to Him, draw near to Him. Don't you close your eyes right now and just engage with the Lord. It's like, Lord, I'm going to come near to you this week. I'm going to rest in you this week. Lord, I'm going to remember that you are my great rest, that you are the Lord of the Sabbath and through you, I can live in great rest and dwell with you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I am your temple, that everywhere I go, I am a priest and a priestess Lord, that I steward your presence. Lord, let me not forget that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a Zion Church podcast. For more information about Zion Church, go to zionchurch.info. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash zionchurchgc. And on Instagram, we're at zionchurchofficial.